Welcome, everybody, to another edition of The Sync Up. Uh, we're very, very lucky to have an amazing guest today, uh, one of the best swing coaches out there. Uh, he won PGA of America Swing Coach of the Year um, and works with a lot of top professionals, including Jordan Spieth. I want to welcome on Cameron McCormick. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us today. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, pleasure, pleasure joining you. Great. So uh, we can kind of dive into things. You know, Cameron, we've had the opportunity to work with Cameron on a variety of different corporate events. But I think that, you know, the everyone would love to hear sort of how you got into the space, kind of your career journey um, and sort of how, how you landed with the uh, U.S. Open uh, picture in your background that yeah. you have in your office uh, right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to surround myself with a few of these uh, skins in the wall, so to speak, to remind myself when things aren't going so well that uh, there's been some uh, great experiences in the past and some sex successes in the past that uh, ultimately might uh, might show back up. But anyway, yeah, so grew up in Melbourne, Australia, uh, played cricket, tennis and football and um, kind of hadn't hadn't. Um, not much of a desire to play golf. It was a slow moving sport and it didn't seem like it uh, would have um, appealed to me or did appeal to me back then as a great athletic endeavor um, until because of uh, late development biologically, I kind of phased out of the other sports. I wasn't strong enough or power powerful enough and um, got hurt. And uh, so golf became my, my gig at about age 16. And then, Within a year and a half, I had um, dropped my handicap down to low single digits. And um, this is pre-internet days, um, reading Golf Magazine, Golf Digest Australia, um, realized that there was an opportunity to play golf in college. And then serendipitously met uh, two guys who just graduated from Texas Tech University who came to Australia to play professional golf. And they connected the dots uh, with some college coaches, uh, and then ultimately ended up with me at age 18, moving to the United States on a golf scholarship to a small junior college in Kansas first, and then ultimately on to uh, D1 school, Texas Tech out in Lubbock, Texas. So um, from age kind of 16 and a half, when I saw myself getting good really quick, I wanted to play professionally. And so I chased that through college and then um, beyond college for two years, uh, self-funded with not much success. I think, uh, the need to uh, put food on the table for myself um, individually. And then ultimately kind of thinking forward to a career pathway. Um, I didn't make a cent uh, playing professionally. And so the economics ruled and uh, forced me out of the game from a competitor's standpoint, but uh, I still wanted to keep um, my foot in the door, so to speak, and saw golf as a, um, a pathway for me. And so I, I got a, a job here in Dallas, Texas at a local club and started teaching a lot and immediately loved it. And so over the many pathways you could kind of travel down within the world of golf, uh, coaching became my pathway. Was there a specific like lesson or moment that's aha was like, you know, I think I have something here with, with helping others with their swing and, and. Yeah, it was actually the very first lesson I gave here in Dallas, Texas to a um, young Korean girl who uh, parents wanted her to get in, is interested in golf. And it was her very first time touching a club. And um, prior to that, I'd done the only teaching I'd really done was the teaching I'd um, kind of given myself um, using a, a video camera uh, back in the mid 90s and kind of unpacking what I did and trying to understand how I could improve. Um, but then that very first session when I um, 
translated some of my knowledge in a way that she understood. And uh, I remember the very first shot that she got airborne, the look on her face and the smile. And I mean, it just, it, it gave her so much joy. It made my heart sing, so to speak. And that was the moment I, I knew, wow, that's an experience of uh, helping someone do something that they could otherwise not do that I wanted more of. So <laughs> maybe that, maybe there was a bit of greed in there too, that I wanted that experience for other people as well, because it, um, um, it 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 fueled me yeah do you remember when you were playing like junior golf or or even college like throwing a tip out here or there to to fellow either teammates or or anyone and then being seeing that there or it didn't really click till uh with a pga professional it really didn't click until that first first session yeah i don't remember even though you hear it happen and it certainly does happen i don't think that um i had a peer group that was going to share ideas necessarily, or I didn't feel like I was particularly at Texas tech. I wasn't one of the um, number one, two or three players. And so uh, um, my skill level wasn't seen to be as great as others. And so I wasn't the, um, the sounding board for ideas, so to speak, or the source for ideas, even though I was giving um, myself coaching. Yeah. yeah we had, Oh, go ahead. Well, you got that, that's usually my, 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 yeah, we, my tips are usually aim left for him because the ball always tends to come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's more lining up. I, I think one of, uh, on the topics of kind of teaching, I think one of the most memorable kind of stories I, I heard from you was we did an event at Altus, you know, several years back and you kind of talked about the progression of sort of how you got Jordan as a client, kind of, I, I know he joined at a young age, but kind of share what that was. I remember how you almost, you put no pressure on him to be like, I want to be your coach. It was almost like, if it works for you, that's great. If it works for both of us, but share that story. That was, that was pretty special. I thought of how that yeah. came to be. Yeah. So I'm six years into coaching in Dallas. And so probably seven years into coaching totally. And um, I'd been developing a reputation here in the kind of Dallas Metroplex areas, um, a go-to coach for youth coaching, developmental coaching. So um, think of a parent that has an eight, nine, 10 year old, um, this eight, nine, 10 year old has started playing off and they've got some level of desire to want to improve. And maybe they've shown even some, um, some proficiency, some decent skill at that young age. So I was one of the names, uh, that Jordan's dad, Jordan Spieth's dad, Sean Spieth, um, called and said, Hey, I've got a, 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 a young guy. Um, my son, he's pretty good at golf and he's had no formal instruction, can we come visit with you? And uh, July um, 6th of 2006, he shows up to the teaching studio at Brook Hollow Golf Club. And um, my first meeting with him was a lot of Q&A in the first 30, 45 minutes. What, what do you want from this experience? And a few of the first words out of his mouth was my ultimate goal is to win the Masters. Um, so that was a bit of an aha moment for me. Uh, are you kidding me? Um, 12 year old kid sitting down in front of me and saying, I want to uh, do that. Um, so in my mind, um, uh, I kind of probably said, tap the brakes. Let's just kick <laughs> it off with how good are you right now? And I, I, I said, um, so tell me about your recent performance. Now, I'd done a little bit of research and uh, figuring through he's a decent player shooting in, in the low 70s and a couple of scores under par. And it's probably about 18 months removed from still seeing some scores on his on his CV uh, that were in the high 80s or low 90s. So his 18-month um, developmental arc before meeting me was pretty steep, right? 
Um, and he said, yeah, I just uh, recently finished a tournament. It's a three-day tournament. And I shot 63 in the final round and won the tournament by 18 shots. That was the next, are you kidding me, Jordan Spieth moment. So at that point, I stopped the interview and said, well, show me what you got. And so I, I put him through this uh, battery of, let's say, skills testing, uh, which gives me an opportunity to see what he could do with a golf ball, but also how he does what he does with a golf ball, which is the technical piece, right? Um, I loved what I saw. I said, let's go play nine holes. And um, at the end of that, that, those nine holes from the back tees at Brock Ollie shot even par. And it was one of those, wow, you already do this so well. We're in the middle of the summer. Um, the last thing I want to do, what's the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, right? Um, is mess you up when you've got several big events that are in your next two months timeline. And so I sat he and his dad down. I said, Jordan, you do what you do really well, as evidenced by your scores historically, um, even more today, right? Um, I said, I can't do anything with you right now. You have what you need right now to perform well over the next two months. And I saw this look of disappointment coming across his face, right? You can't, you show up to a golf lesson, even though it was <laughs> a palliative session with um, a expectation that there's going to be some wisdom conveyed. And I saw his dad at the same time, because they're sitting directly across from me, um, have a different look on his face. And, and that look, maybe conveyed, huh, this is different. And I said, Jordan, the reason why is that I see this future path for you from a technical standpoint and from a ball control standpoint. But if we begin that process right now, it likely involves some difficult times, some difficult times where you actually have less ball control rather than more ball control, where you're doing things quote unquote, worse rather than better. You don't need that right now. So in September, when your competitive season is over, call me back if you want to get back together and we'll begin that process. Now, I, after that fact, sent his dad an email that outlined um, fairly uh, clearly what that developmental pathway looked like. And I think the reason they came back was it put the needs of Jordan Spieth as a young developing player who's identity and confidence in what he was doing um, is probably one of the most uh, paramount of things to protect as a parent and as a coach um, that they see themselves as being good. Um, and it's not false uh, confidence either. It's certainly anchored to good skill set and good ball control. Um, and I didn't want him to have that negative experience of he came and got a lesson and then played in his next tournament and played considerably worse or any in any way worse. Um, I wanted a longer runway where he was going to be forgiving of himself and forgiving of the process um, to the extent that he would commit to it and not spit the bit. Um, so, yeah, that was that first experience with Jordan Spieth, and it's been uh, a, a great road, <laughs> as evidenced by the postcard, right? <laughs> that first evaluation, did you see like major championships in his future or that at that point you just knew he had something and excited to get get to work? Uh, talent ID is a very, very murky water. Um, there are things that you can pick up on. Um, what does Malcolm uh, Gladwell call them? Uh, thin slicing ability. Yeah. Uh, you, you could see the presence that the kid had at 12 years old to stand in front of an adult and um, express a desire so confidently. You could see how a person walked. Um, you could see the level of ball control. Um, so when you aggregate the things together, that's that kind of confirm he can he walks as if he talks as if he can act as if those things told me that Jordan Spieth could do some really good things in golf.
But then what I couldn't assess there is, is I, I wasn't seeing him under a high level of competitive stress. Clearly he wanted to impress me. And um, we had a soft wager on the line. We, we played for um, a hat from the Brook Hollow Golf Shop if he achieved X on the golf course with me that day. Um, but yet I didn't know how he dealt with competitive stress. Now the scores that he prior shot were evidence of that, but also another one that you never really tell until you never really see is how a person deals with leveling up, meaning they may compete well, a player may compete well in their local tournaments or their club tournaments. And then they go to a regional tournament and then they go to this next tour up above their um, local junior tour. And every step of the way through age 13, 14, 15, and then 16, every step that he took was further affirmation to being not scared on a bigger stage. Uh, when that expectation, maybe, uh, or the pressure that someone feels because they're playing against tougher competition um, might do things to them. And those things are um, nervousness, um, anxiety. He found a way to overcome that immediately. That's so cool. Um, and then kind of transitioning to how kind of like the, the average kind of corporate event or or corporate group that comes your way, everyone... I know firsthand how excited they are more so to, to get in front of you than the most other personalities you work with only because people just love and obsessed with golf as is Zach and I um, to get like quick that those the kind of quick tips or the quick, is it the same evaluation process that you would do from all levels? Or if you have a, a group that you never met before, do you, do you approach it the same way? Yeah. So I would say that um, as a generalization, uh, stepping in front of anyone is is first an assessment on core competencies. So it's like, what are the hierarchy of needs <laughs> that we have as humans? But there's a golf hierarchy of needs, and that's uh, solid contact and some semblance of controlling the angle of face meets the golf ball. And if you can do those two things, then you can advance it fairly straight. And then there's the competency of uh, how much power that you can create. So there's these this core of things, this nucleus of things that really quickly, within three or four swings good coaches um, can assess a person's ability to perform. And then um, in a group setting, <clears throat> excuse me, or even in an individual setting, um, simplifying things down to, rather than the instruction being style-based, the instruction is far more skills-based. And you can teach a person the coordinative abilities to um, touch the ground in the correct location, touch the ground in the correct way, um, move the club, uh, both from a direction at swing and the angle of face of swing in a fairly simple manner that is teaching a person to improve their skill. And then it backs into teaching a person how to improve their style. So very early on in my coaching, it was style, 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 style. So technical. And then very quickly based on a lack of success, not absent success, but not enough success that satisfied me, I learned to morph into being a skills first, style second type of coach. And so that's what, whether it's a new professional player or an elite level junior stepping in front of me now, or the corporate events that I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do, whether I'm delivering a message to a group or individually, it's these are the things that your golf ball needs. And your golf ball doesn't know whether you're Lydia Co or whether you're 36 handicap, um, 
a member at, at a local club. Don't point, don't point to me or Will. It just needs a set of instructions and those instructions are, um, they're achievable even for the most average of players and the most novice of players, as long as we prioritize them. And we tend, or I tended not to prioritize them 25 years ago now, but that's all I prioritize now. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's great. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Great. No, I think on the, on the topic of corporate events, like what, what do you enjoy when we do the events together? I know we've had uh, a nice mix of things, whether it just be, you know, at uh, Altus, for example, at, you know, top golf, if it's at a golf course where it's clinic instruction, I guess from a corporate perspective for our groups, like what, what do you enjoy doing? Like what, what kind of events get you more excited than others? Like what, what's your perspective on some of the corporate events that we get to collaborate on? It's, it's too easy a question. You're going to ask me a more difficult question. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a golf fan. I, I like talking to people about golf and going back to that first experience with a young girl that I, the very first lesson I gave here in, in Texas, it's if I can make someone do something, help someone do something, I should say, um, that they have formally not done before or haven't done as well, um, then that brings a smile to my face, to my face. Um, the experiences that we've had, whether it's um, with the help of my team here in Dallas, Texas at Altus or the more recent one where uh, I'm out there with Paige uh, and she's helping me uh, from a player's perspective, um, give a message to a group or um, then the experiences that we had on the golf course, they're all fantastic. So I have no pref preference other than the opportunity to stand in front of someone and like I said, golf evangelize, right? So um, I think the beauty of the experiences that I've been able to share uh, with y'all is they're, they're so immersive. Um, it's not just uh, you'll get five minutes with a Cameron McCormick or uh, a Sean Foley. It's it's an experience that, that, that lasts multiple, multiple hours, right? So um, in extending that time, you can bridge the gap a little bit bigger between not feeling the golfer doesn't need to feel like you've got five swings to integrate something with Cameron McCormick or Sean Foley or Paige Crawford. Um, we've got an entire day to create some sort of change. And then there's the relationship side, which is really cool. Um, so at Arizona starting, starting at Scottsdale, starting in the morning at whatever we started at nine o'clock, nine 30, and then ending up with dinner, you learn more and more about people. Right. And so Butch Hama famously said, we're not teaching um, golf, golf to people. We're teaching people to play golf, and and that's the kind of the 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 way I kind of parse out message from that is it starts with a relationship, and then um, golf is something that is the um, icing on the cake, so to speak. And so, so piggybacking off of that with the quote from Butch Harmon, so Zach and I both have some young children, mm. uh, five year old, six months, and Zach is almost year year. Yeah, yeah, year and a half. What's the advice to kind of get them with the golf bug or get them get them hooked so we can play golf more and not get <laughs> Yeah, how do you hook a kid on golf, right? Yeah. Uh, they decide, number one, it's, you give them multiple opportunities for on-ramps into the game. And those on-ramps into the game don't need to be um, anything more than, hey, you've got a plastic club um, sitting around the house and they pick it up and carry it with them like they like they may their blanket. Um, there's golf on TV 
more often than not, even, yeah, we're going to burn some um, electricity dollars, but um, to have it on or around um, in the toy room to leave the plastic golf balls out um, at the, their experience at the golf club is far more, what can we get from the halfway shack, uh, ice cream or um, popcorn and cruising the golf cart with mum and dad. Um, and in addition to that, as I added mum in there to the conversation is, is the more it can become a family experience early on, um, the more they're going to choose to want to do that and feel like it's just part of the fabric of what we do as a family. Yeah. And then when they're at an age, the sooner you can get them involved in a program, be it at a club, be it at a driving range where they have a peer group that they're involved in golf with, um, they have like-minded buddies. And to have a tribe that you're doing things with um, aids and abets the movement to want to do more and also movement through difficult times. And then the last kind of fundamental pillar of hooking a kid on golf is the proficiency is at some level, someone needs to know how to do something um, and see themselves successful at some level um, to want to kind of stack chips behind investing more time. And that investing more time, maybe uh, 15 minutes riding in a golf cart with mom and dad turns into, all right, they're on the putting green and we're creating games and they're wanting to um, participate in those games. And then that turns into um, three or four holes in the golf course, right? So uh, yeah, it's, uh, they're going to have positive experiences and decide they're on ramp. They've got to have a peer group ultimately at some point in their early development years that are also involved in golf and they've got to see themselves as being good at it. So finding a good youth or developmental coach is one of the early steps. It's an important step. Yeah. But we don't live in Dallas. We, yeah. we got to get Cameron involved. There's, there's plenty up in the know. There's plenty all over the world. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like my daughter is one of the best bunker rakers I've ever seen. So if <laughs> breaking, she's already very proficient. Yeah, that. Fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's one of those on ramps, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> when I was at a club that would have mother's day brunch or Easter egg hunts, family activities on, um, on the weekends, uh, invariably what would happen is you'd see all the kids out there in the, in the bunker. And if that's their golf experience for the day, then uh, that's a win. Yeah, it was, it was funny. Not, not to, to go off topic, but a quick story. So I joined, a, I moved out to uh, the suburbs a couple of years ago. I joined my first golf. All I wanted to do was growing up just to, to have access to, to easy golf. So I joined a golf club. I made probably one friend in the whole club, like the first or second day. So I took my daughter out to the driving range and all she wanted to do is just do like sandcastles and stuff. So I'm like, all right, just do it quickly, but don't get us in trouble. And then all of a sudden, someone walked out to the to the driving range. I'm like, oh, so I ran over to 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 get her out. And it, just my luck, it was my one friend I made. So she's like, no, no, have her build me something too. So uh, that got her that got her into and excited to golf. So beautiful, uh, yeah, yeah. Cameron, uh, we can we'll, we'll last few questions and we'll wrap up. Um, what would you say, kind of most memorable moment that stands out to you that you've had? Um, in your kind of golf career at this point as a coach player um kind of looking mm. back on things yeah i think the most memorable was being on site witnessing jordan win at burkdale in 2017 uh, that's the only event that i've been at when any client at any level has uh, raised the trophy has won a tournament um so that was probably uh, to be there on site and to witness how he 
um, how he came back on the back nine. Those two probably stand out as the most, um, yeah, prominent of uh, memories. But you do what you do for so long with so many different uh, people and the successful experiences kind of, um, they they aggregate, right? So there's so many more that I could pull out, but that's the one that kind of uh, comes out more often than not. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, well, we super appreciate the time today. And like I said, just getting a little glimpse of, uh, this is almost like we're a client today, getting to hear the stories and, and, and pick your brain and know <laughs> why they enjoy it so much. Yeah, um, happy to hear. Thanks for having me on. Um, so until the, until the next event, and again, thank you so much for the time today and all the great positive events we've had through the years and on to, to bigger and better ones. Great. Thanks, Will. Thanks, awesome. Zachary. All right. Thank all you right. so much. Good chatting. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.